0: Young, back to throw, in trouble, he's going to be sacked, no, gets away, he runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to
1: the 20, the 50, the 10, he dies, touchdown 49ers. What's up faithful, Al Sacco, Zane Naqvi, 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast, and this is a big show. Big show for us for a couple reasons. The first reason, obviously, is free agency happened or it's happening. And there's so much for Zane and I to react to. We have a lot of opinions on the guys that they signed and how they're going to fit. And I know Zane and I differ on what we think some of these signings are and and how they're going to work for the team. Overall, I thought the Niners did a solid job. I have some issues Free safety, not sure what they're going to do. Zane and I are going to talk about Quan Alexander. I know he has a different opinion than I do. So going to be big stuff in terms of that. But also, the second reason this is a big show is this is my last show. If you've paid any attention on Twitter, you know that I announced that I'm going to be leaving the show. And listen, the last two years have been absolutely unbelievable. Like I cannot put into words how cool it's been One, just for the response that we got from the fans, because we'll bring Zane on in a minute here, but Zane and I didn't expect this show. We had no idea what it was going to be when we started it. And I remember our first show was him and I literally talking on the phone and we recorded it Mm -hmm. and we were like, Hey, that sounded pretty good. Let's, let's put it out. And Zane and I had just, we had just an instant connection and we just clicked right away. And it's funny because we had never had a conversation until that first show. So we did that, and and it just kind of took off. And and I remember him and I talking like, "You know, are we ever going to be able to get any guests? Is anybody going to listen?" And kind of the where where it went in the two years with with the guests that we had i I never imagined that we would have met and interviewed and developed relationships with you know players and media and, and the beat writers and things like that. It was just just an awesome ride and i'm and I'm in debt to everybody for it it was It was just time for me to move on i'm I'm gonna write more, which is you know kind of my first passion, so still gonna write for the web zone still gonna write for the Niners wire just on just on the podcast front i'm I'm, I'm just kind of done, man, it just ran its course and i'll still come on as probably as a guest on this show and a guest on other shows. But for now, with the with the No Huddle podcast, it'll be Zane and, and probably someone replacing me. But again, thanks to you guys for supporting us. Thanks to David Bonia, our producer, who open has opened so many doors for me. And Zane, thanks to you, buddy. It's it's been a great ride, man.
0: Thank you, Al. I, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Um, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Like the the success that we've enjoyed with this podcast and the fan base that we've built up and the people that message us on a weekly basis saying, Hey, when's the next pod coming out? Like I'm missing hearing you guys and things like that. Like I, I never would have imagined that it would have gotten this big. And, and I, I really, really appreciate you for, for, you know, picking this up and, and taking it where, where it is now. Right. I mean, we can't, we, this is something that we couldn't have done without each other. Right. Like we're a team Absolutely. and, and yeah. to, to see, to see you go, it, it, it made me sad. Like when you first told me about it, like I, I send you that long text, and it was like in the middle of the night and you're like, yeah, you, I, I know it kind of caught you off guard, but like, you know, is, uh, you know, and, and that'll stay with us. But the, the gist of it was basically how much I appreciated everything that you've done. And for me, like this has opened up so many doors for myself as well. Right. Like growing up as a fan of the 49ers, a, a Bay area kid, dreaming about being close to the team in some way, shape or form. Like, you know, we get to talk to players and agents and attend practices and things like that and be at games and, And i never would have thought in a million years that that would be part of like what I do as an adult. And, and like you have helped open up those doors for me. So, um, you're going to be missed, man. And, and I know that, that, uh, this is something that I'm going to carry forward and the know how to podcast will continue. And, um, you know, it's going to be a situation where I would love to have you back on anytime you want to come on, man, please do. You just say the word and, and, you know, I'd love to have a chat with you and, and, uh, obviously offline, we're going to keep in touch and, and you better expect me calling you on game days and venting to you. If I can't, if, if I yeah. can't vent to you here, I'm going to vent to you over the phone. You're still going to hear it from me. Right. So, um, you know, this kind of takes our friendship into another, uh, into another level and, and a new sort of, uh, uh, direction. And I'm looking forward to that. So thank you so much, Al. And, uh, again, a uh, shout out to David, our producer who, um, is still going to be producing great content for us. Um, going forward, so um, for all the Niners fans out there, keep uh, keep it locked in on the on the Know podcast because we got a lot of great stuff coming up. It's not over yet. We we got so much
1: to talk about today with with this free agency and all the players the Niners signed, and also we'll get into because I'm not going to get a chance to talk about the draft, so we'll do that a little bit too. I know I know Zane's got some opinions on Quinn and Williams, Zane. Right, you're pretty fired up about that right now. If, if if the Niners happen to pass on on Bosa and go there, so we'll get into that, but. Before we do, let's talk about some of these new guys that they brought in. Zane, is there anybody you want to jump into first? Any player that you just want to go? I want for to talk and about, kind of talk about what you think.
0: Yeah, let's talk. Let's start right from the from the first the first signing, Quan Alexander, because that was the one that I think that we disagree the most on. And I think that uh, so I'll I'll lay my case out for for everybody to hear, and then and then you can have a chance to respond. Okay. So Quan Alexander is an interesting guy to me. Uh, he was a guy that I followed before this year because, um, he became a 23 year old captain for the Buccaneers. And he is one of those guys that became, I think he was the youngest team captain in their history. And it came out a few, a few, a couple of years ago. And I followed up on that story and and it turned out that, um, you know, he's a a huge team guy. He creates a ton of turnovers. Um, he is a sideline to sideline player when he's healthy, and for the most part, he's been durable besides the ACL injury. So I really like that, that pickup because the Niners need more guys like this on their team. I've been very, very vocal about the team getting more of these pro bowl type players. And Quan Alexander has made the pro bowl uh, in his career. So he's, he's not one of those guys that is, is an unknown. People know who he is if, if you've been around the game, but he's one of those guys that creates turnover. He create, he forces a lot of fumbles, um, he's always around the ball. He can cover. He can tackle. Uh, although he missed a, a ton of tackles uh, over the last couple of years, I think that's more indicative of, of guys getting to this unblocked to the second layer, um, or mostly their defensive line in Tampa Bay underperforming. I really, I really don't think that that the Niners will have that problem. I feel like their defensive line is a little bit better um, here than they are in Tampa Bay. But I just, I, I just think that that he's a high character guy, and they need more of those guys on the team—a leader a guy that you can count on, a guy that's a veteran, but he's still young. He's actually four months younger than Ruben Foster. So to me, the aesthetics of it, I understand, like the ACL and everything, and they gave, they gave all this guaranteed money to an injured player. But we also have to remember that Parag Marate um, does not give out bad contracts. This is something that's going to be front-loaded, and most of the guaranteed money is going to be within the first couple of years. And after that, it's basically year to year. So all that being said, I like the signing. And I think that if he can show that he's healthy, he's going to be a huge asset to this defense.
1: This was a polarizing move. Definitely a polarizing move. And, and you know how I am on Twitter. I like to put things out there and kind of see where the fan base is on things. Mm-hmm. And dude, let me tell you this. During free agency, there are some people out there who suck. Oh my, I, I don't ever block anyone on Twitter. When free agency happens, I think I blocked like 15 people last year. I dropped, I blocked like 10 people this year. You would think that, some people were like watching Quan Alexander film for the last like five years. Mm -hmm. Experts on Quan Alexander just knew everything about him. Like, are you kidding me? Are Mm -hmm. you kidding me? Like, honestly, did you know that much about Quan Alexander before they signed him?
0: Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Neither
1: did I. It's not like I sat and watched Tampa Bay games all the time, but it's funny. Like you give your opinion on this and the other thing. And all of a sudden everybody's an expert. It's just comical to me, comical to me, but it was a polarizing move and it was to me for a few reasons and and listen this is just my personal belief to me you don't pay big money for secondary positions off the ball linebackers running backs to me you just don't pay big money for that in free agency i i think you know you have a certain percentage of your cap that you're going to spend and the salary cap listen it's kind of you can work your way around the salary cap i mean there is a cap but there isn't there's always ways to work around it but still, there's a percentage of money that a team is going to spend. And to me, I don't want to see them spend it sort of at positions like off-the-ball linebacker, things like that. Now, I know that they definitely needed a linebacker. They absolutely did. But to me, again, this money could have been spent elsewhere, and maybe they could have gotten someone else at linebacker. Now, let me give you the pros that I think for, for Alexander first, You know, from what I've, I've seen and read and everything like that. It seems like he's fast and he's always around the ball. He's very much a modern NFL linebacker where he can cover it and he he makes plays in in the passing game. And the Niners need guys who make plays because this defense, Zane, it it didn't didn't make a lot of plays last year. And you look at Alexander, he's got five career interceptions. Uh, He had three in 2017, which is more than Niners had as a team last year. 22 career passes defended and, and six forced fumbles. So this guy makes plays. But some cons for him, what it appeared to me, is that he makes a lot of highlight plays. So he's a highlight player, but he also misses a lot of tackles. Um, he missed some of the most – he was tops in the league or right around there for, for an inside linebacker. He actually had the most missed tackles from 2015 to 2017 of any inside linebacker in the league with 70. And, and, and if you watch the Niners play last year, that you know they don't need another guy who misses tackles. Um, and John Ledyard from the NFL draft – draft network wrote something. And I think he, he kind of put it perfectly is Quan Alexander hasn't been a top linebacker in any year of his career. He's athletic and can cover some, but he misses a ton of tackles and is below average average run defender coming off a torn ACL at a position that isn't super valuable. Anyone paying big money for him has lost their mind. And, and I do kind of agree with that. And then I know someone will say, well, they didn't pay big money for him. Al, They gave him, it's basically a one-year deal for 14 million. And this is kind of how I look at that contract. Any contract the Niners do is going to be a team-friendly deal because Marathe's a freaking wizard when it comes to that stuff. Like It's, it's crazy mm-hmm. how he does these contracts. But All right, so let's look at this Williams contract. They're paying him $14.5 million this year coming off an ACL. So you have a guy whose game is built on speed. He's not going to be 100% this year coming off this ACL. He may bounce back, well, sure, but he's not going to be, to me, a guy that you'd want to have the third-highest-played player on your team and in, in let's say, for example, he has a decent year, right? They're bringing him back next year. The only way for them to cut him is for this to be a complete and utter disaster. There's no way he's not going to be. Do you know how bad he's got to be not to make a second season with this team? Mm-hmm. So then you're paying two years, $27 million, Then the same thing holds true. Then it's three years. They're paying a lot of money for this position and this linebacker. He better come in and he better make an impact. To me, this contract doesn't make it. I don't want to hear that it's like, oh, whatever. It's a team-friendly deal. They sign this guy to come in. He needs to come in and make an impact because if he doesn't, Zane, this is the third, the third linebacker role they would have whiffed on. They overpaid for Malcolm Smith. Awful signing. Awful. Ruben Foster. And look, you and I said we would do, took taken him at two. You can't. They took the chance. It didn't work out but still it was another thing that they whiffed on. So now they whiff on these two linebackers. So they have to go out and spend more money in free agency and, and get Quan Alexander. And and look, I, I hope it all works out. I hope I'm meeting my words and I know I'm, I'm starting off on a negative tone. I actually liked what the Niners did for the most part, free agency, but the Alexander thing to me, I just, I'm thinking like, again, put your money elsewhere, sign cornerbacks, sign safety, sign rushers. That's, that's where the money should go. Wide receivers to me to pay, the linebacker to me was a little bit nuts. So I hope he has a great year. He's certainly a talented guy. Um, to me, this just looks like another overpay for maybe a guy who's more of a mid-level guy who isn't going to make a super big impact. He may make some plays. I hope he makes some plays. And I also hope he's not another Pierre Garcon or, or Malcolm Smith.
0: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think that there's a, there's a number of things that people are probably concerned about the ACL being number one. And, Again, given the Trent Baalke history and the propensity for him to draft ACL players and projects and try to try to make them work, five in the years or seven in the years that he was here, and none of them really panned out. But we also have to understand that now ACLs are they're a little bit easier to come back from than they were back in the day, right? Like back in the '90s, this was like a career-ending injury, but now guys can come back from ACLs and they'll be fine. And the argument that I pose to people that okay. Quan Alexander has a torn ACL and he's, he's recovering from it. And people don't, they may not think that he'll be 100%. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jarek McKinnon also have torn ACLs. So, what's to say that they also won't be 100%? Like, we're all of a sudden really confident that Jarek McKinnon and Jimmy Garoppolo can come back 100% from their ACLs, but Quan but Alexander can't from his. Oh, I'm not so confident in McKinnon at, at all come back from the ACL. Garoppolo so I'm not, not saying you, new, but I'm saying like people, there's people out there that, that feel like McKinnon can be a significant, significant contributor. Oh, yeah, 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 the ACL saying, yeah. So I think that, that we really have to step back for a second and look at this and be like, okay, well, why do we dislike the signing? Do we dislike it because of the money? Do we dislike it because of the ACL, do we dislike it because of the player himself? To me, a lot of times I think that uh, when it comes to, especially young players, it, when it comes to their production and maybe them being deficient in one part of their game, a lot of it has to do with the scheme that they're thrown into. And a lot of it has to do with the players that are surrounding them. And Tampa Bay has not been a good team for a number of years now. And that, that defense has been near the bottom of the league for, for a little bit. Joe McCoy is probably, he was probably their best player um, on defense. And, and even then their defense was pretty, but their, def- their defensive line was pretty bad. So that being said, like, I think that, a change of scenery can benefit Juan Alexander. Like I, again, like, like he has those leadership qualities. He's basically the anti Ruben Foster pretty much. He has everything that that Ruben Foster didn't in terms of having his head on straight, not getting into trouble off the field, being a good teammate and being a leader. And that's, again, like you said, it is an expensive mistake and it is something that, that came back to bite them with Ruben Foster. But now we have to move past that, right? Like the very essence of free agency is to overspend and we knew they would overspend at some point for somebody. Uh, I didn't think that they would have overspend for Quan Alexander. But when you look at his contract compared to like CJ Mosley, it's not, it's not the highest. He's not the highest paid linebacker there. Like the, the headline was out there that, oh, Quan Alexander is the highest paid linebacker in history. And three days later, CJ Mosley gets a richer deal. So now we kind of forget about that. So given where he is in, in the pecking order, CJ Mosley was, was a better player in my opinion he is a better player so i'm glad that they didn't pay him like cj mosley type money they got him for less but that being said if he can't come back from this acl injury it's going to be a huge miss for the 49ers it's going to be a huge black eye for them because they're looking to fill a position of need with Quan alexander this isn't one of those things where they're just signing him for depth like they're counting on him being a significant contributor and if you can't oh yeah get that at a free agency it's a huge miss
1: I don't think they missed on their next big acquisition in, in D Ford. I, I really, really like the trade like the trade. And I know they give up a second mm-hmm. round pick next year for it, but they needed to make a move like this. And Ford to me, it, he is exactly what the doctor ordered for this defense. He's that speed rusher off the edge. He was dominant in 2018. He had 13 sacks and seven forced fumbles, which again production the 49ers, they didn't get production like that. Buckner had his sacks from the inside, but on the edges, they they didn't have a guy like that who can come mm-hmm. in and just fly off the edge and get to the quarterback. And that's that's going to have a ripple effect on this defense on guys like DeForest Buckner. Just a huge pickup to me. And and I know I don't want to say he was a one year wonder. He did have 10 sacks in 2016. And I've read some places where they said, oh well the 10 sacks it still wasn't a great, great year. Sonic like Niners have been having a lot of guys get 10 sacks lately. So you'll you'll take that kind of production. And again, he was super dominant in 2018. So you hope that's sort of the tip of the iceberg and and the arrows pointed up with him. He's he's not really young. He's relatively young. He's 28 years old. And in the contract, again, it's it's team friendly, where it's basically a year to year deal. So I, I don't think that would ever affect them. I don't think it would affect him drafting Nick Bosa anyway, but definitely with the contract, it won't. And you can never have enough pass rushers and again now like i said you have you have buckner pushing the pocket from the middle you have ford flying from the edge and a rookie who you're high on whether it's Allen or bosa who or whoever and all of a sudden this d line looks really 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 dominant but i do want to say again with this we talked about how it's team-friendly contract at some point i don't want to care that this is a team-friendly contract i want to say that we have d ford locked up That's what I hope we're saying, that he comes in in 2019 and he's the guy that he was last year. And we're not talking like, oh, we can get out of this contract whenever we want to. Instead, we're saying like we have this guy for the next five years because he's dominant. And I do think he's going to be really good. I don't know that he'll be 2018 good, but even if you get 80% of that, it's still a lot better than the Niners had. And it's still the type of player, the type of player, the speed rusher that they've really, really, really been missing and that could make this defense come together.
0: D Ford was the number one ranked pass rusher uh, according to PFF last year. He had seventy eight pressures. Seventy eight. That's ridiculous. Like that's insane. the The, the closest forty nine er to that was Cassius Marsh, who had thirty nine. I mean, D Ford is a premier pass rusher. And the day that it happened, I was listening to the radio on the way back home from work, and and they were talking about. They're like, oh, this, this. I don't know if this move. Moves the needle for 49ers fans. I don't know if this is the splash move that they wanted. And, and he had a back injury two years ago. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, have you watched D Ford? Do you know who D Ford is? Like D Ford is again, like I said, a premier pass rusher. So we all know that he didn't start. He didn't play too well. His first two years in league 2014, 2015, he had a combined five and a half sacks. He didn't start. uh, He only started five games in the first two years, but from 2016 to 2018, he's got, 25 sacks. And last year he had 13. And this is a guy that created 11 turnovers off of his pressures last year. That was tops in league. So you have a guy who can actually change a game with the way that he plays. And he's, again, like you said, he's relatively young. He just turned 28 uh, as of the recording of the show, like today, I think it's his birthday. And um, he's one of those guys that, that has a a five-year deal. And and we haven't seen the likes of this type of pass rusher since Alden Smith. Like D Ford is much a different player than Alden Smith. He's 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 a little bit smaller. He's uh, he's around two hundred fifty pounds and six two. So he's not the same build as Alden Smith. But the way that he comes off of the ball and the power that he has and the ability to go track the quarterback, it's it's something that we haven't seen in a long, long time in a 49ers uniform. And I was thrilled when they made that move. And the fact that they only gave up a second round pick next year for that, like, Al, when I heard that, when I heard they're giving up a second round pick, I'm like, well, 36 is gone. Then that, that second round pick this year, which is essentially a late first round pick is Mm -hmm. gone. And and I was kind of like, I I still like the move, but I was kind of sad about the pick being gone. But then when I heard it was a second round pick from next year, I'm like, man, I would do this deal all day, all day. Another one of those guys that's a blue chip player, a pro bowler, a guy that you can build your defense around, a guy that is just nonstop motor running all the time, um, and a guy that that you absolutely can have change the, the tide of a game like you don't you didn't have very many of these players on the roster last year that was the problem with the 49ers especially on defense they didn't turn they didn't force any turnovers they had two interceptions and and mm-hmm. we all know how the defensive line and pass rush can affect your 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 dbs and safeties right like if a guy if a quarterback doesn't have time to throw then they're not going to be able to pick apart your defense to your secondary so having a guy like d ford it'll help your secondary and it'll help whoever plays a safety, whether it's Ward or Colbert, we'll get into that in a little bit, but it'll help whoever's back there who doesn't have a lot of experience back there be able to slow things down in front of them. So I loved it. I love the 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 D4 pickup. He's started uh, what is it 26 games in the last three years and he's had 25 sacks so you can't argue with that type of production. I think the back injury is healed. I think he's fine. He showed that last year. He's not a one-year wonder, as you mentioned. He had ten sacks his first year starting full time. So um, anybody who tells you that he's a one-year wonder doesn't know what they're talking about. Really, um, it just comes down to production. And D Ford has a ton of it. Love, love the trade.
1: Yeah, I was glad to see them be aggressive after the OBJ thing fell fell through
0: and, and go through and make that make that isn't, move for. for isn't D that Ford. funny? that that uh, the d four thing came out right after the O b j thing fell through. Yeah, didn't quite, you find it interesting isn't it? <laughs> yeah the, the timing of that it's quite, like Parag, quite the coincidence, yeah, Parag like put it out to the media. He's like, hey, I want this release after this O b j news comes out. I want this D four news release because they didn't want the fan base to be disappointed. And I know a lot of people were disappointed about OBJ not coming to the Niners, but their asking price was ridiculous. They didn't. I'm not even sure if they wanted to swap first round picks. I think they just wanted that number two pick, which is no way in hell you do that. So they released this information at a strategic time. And it was kind of funny to me when it happened. Yeah. And we'll, we'll
1: talk a little bit more about OBJ with the receivers a little bit later, but yeah, that was, that was, um, Some of the things the Giants asked for were a little bit comical. And again, we'll get into that, but sticking with the defense, when you looked at the cornerbacks, I really didn't think they were going to do anything big. And the reason for that is this, you had Richard, you have Richard Sherman, right? He's locked in. He's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Then you have third round picks that you've invested in Witherspoon into various more. So looking at those two guys, the Niners weren't going to pull the plug on them yet. And Witherspoon is really good. Two years ago, we had, a rough season for the most part last year and Moore was a rookie so we don't know about him yet i just i, d- I didn't think they were going to do anything big and that was sort of the way that they attacked it is they were just looking for competition and i really 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 like them bringing in jason barrett mm-hmm. liked it a lot and it's a low risk high reward signing and I, I and although he's been hurt i mean he, he, the guy's never on the field he was a pro bowler in 2015 he's an excellent cover guy he can play outside, and, and he's going to compete outside, it looks like. He can play the slot if you need him to. Um, and again, that issue, he's played 25 of the possible 64 games. And the only year he played more than six games was in 2015 when, when he made the the Pro Bowl. So he's never played a full season. Um, he's played six games his rookie year, 14, 4, and 1. Only five games the last two years. But if he stays on the field, he's a hell of a cover guy and the price was right. And, and to take a chance on a guy like this, I, I thought was a really good idea. It brings in competition. And if he stays on the field, he, he makes your defense better.
0: Absolutely. And I have, so I have a few pros and cons about Jason Verrett. So the first thing is that, uh, I, I remember when he got drafted in 2014, a lot of people had him going to the Niners it was the year that they drafted Jimmy Ward, but a lot of people had him sliding to the Niners that, uh, was it 30? I believe when the Niners were picking. And, um, He's one of those guys. He's he was in, he was considered an undersized corner, 5'9", 5'10", 180+ pounds, but a really physical guy and I watched his tape when he was covering Antonio Brown from 2015. And the guy was just liked out. He was he was physical. He was on Brown's hip the entire time. Um he played really well. Made, he, that was the year he made the Pro Bowl. And I think that when it comes down to again having those Pro Bowl type players, he fits the bill because immediately he becomes the favorite to start opposite Richard Sherman. I, I feel like Akilah witherspoon. He got, he got kind of a bad rap because he had that ankle injury and quite frankly, he shouldn't have been playing, but at the same time he did play. And when he did play, he, he didn't play all that well. Um, I think that now a guy like Jason Brett and the contract that he comes in on this provides a lot of competition and it, he's not assured of starting because he has to, he has to, prove that he can stay healthy, but it's one of those, again, low risk, high reward signings that the 49ers love to make. And this time I feel like they made it on the right sort of guy. Like you don't make that signing for a guy who hasn't made a pro bowl or, or a guy who's not a premier talent. And Jason Fred is premier talent. His only issue is that he can't stay healthy. So that's the pro. The con is that he can't stay healthy. So the issue with him is that again, we know that he's, he's never played a full season besides that 2015 campaign. Even then he, he played 14 games. He didn't play 16 games. So the problem that I have with players who get injured constantly are it, the, the biggest thing is that you can't teach health. You can teach technique. You can work on your speed. You can work on your hands. You can work on your coverage ability, but you can't teach health. Like usually with a guy who's hurt all the time, he remains hurt. You don't magically change your genetics and bio biology to be able to get healthy all of a sudden and play 16 games for your entire yeah. career when you've never done that. So that's, that's the huge risk that I see. And I know that they, the the corner market wasn't, wasn't all that great this year. So I didn't really expect them to make a crazy move. So I'm not going to kill them for making this move. It's not a bad move, but I really hope that they have a plan B because you can't count on the guy who, who's hurt all the time. You can't, you can't put your eggs in that basket. And I really hope that the plan B is either Witherspoon or you go and you draft a corner and the best, the best man wins. But you can't just rely on Jason Verrett to get healthy all of a sudden when he's only played five games in two years.
1: Did, did, did you see who the first person to report the interest in Verrett
0: was? Yeah, did I think I know it? that guy. Uh, yeah, you know that I'll guy. cycle 49. I'm, I'm proxy you on that, by the way. I'm, I was very some, happy. Some clown, blogger, <laughs> some clown blogger put it out there. Yeah, I was very four, happy about that. Four was, hours like,
1: before Ian Rappaport, damn it. Give me <laughs> some credit, Ian.
0: Exactly. Made yeah, four I, hours
1: before you did, Ian.
0: Did he actually take no. take your tweet and, and cite it? Did he no. Just like, oh,
1: no. Come on. No, he probably doesn't know who the hell I am. He probably didn't even know I tweeted that. You know, Come on, my, Rap Sheet. He, he actually heard. Come on, Rap Sheet. Give me some credit, man. <laughs> I'm just going to start to start harassing Ian Rapport I want my credit. No, I'm just. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, move, moving on, moving on. Um, free safety. Okay, this was the other issue. I, universally, I liked what the Niners did. The Quan Alexander thing, again, a polarizing move can go either way. Free safety pissed me off. Pissed me off a lot. In this defense, free safety is saying that single high safety is so important. It's such an important position. And, okay, I wanted Earl Thomas. I think a lot of people wanted Earl Thomas. I understand the people who maybe would say Earl Thomas is 30. He broke his leg. He got paid a ton of money. I don't want to pay for somebody like that. Okay, you're entitled to your opinion. My opinion is he should have been the very first, first target. He mm-hmm. is the guy that made that Seattle defense go in a lot of ways. That Seattle defense, the Niners are running the Seattle defense. The guy who makes it go on the back end was available. He is a freaking hall of famer. I don't care that they paid him $32 million guaranteed. They, Niners could Niners could still do that if they wanted to. They could they could make a signing like that. To me, this had to be your number one priority, and that it wasn't that that they had interest at their price. And we can't call the Niners cheap anymore because they're not. They overpay for people that they want. They do it for team friendly deals, but but they're aggressive if they really want a guy. But but they they get aggressive at some of these weird positions like inside linebacker and fullback when when you got a to me who was a game changer a game changer available. And, and they wanted him at their price. Who cares if you're paying him? I think he got, I think it was 22 million or 25 million or something like that for the first nine months. Who cares? They could have, they could have afforded that. You want a contract like that with a guy like that because you could pay him, excuse me, all the money right up front. That would have been perfect for them. They didn't go after it. Kind of it pisses me off, man. And, and let's just, again, for the people, you didn't want Thomas because of age, contract injuries, whatever. There were more guys out there. You want to stop gap? What about Eric, Eric Lettle, Eric Lettle. A mm. long term guy. What about Adrian Amos? 26 years old, deciding with Green Bay, four years, 36 million, 12 million guaranteed. Clinton Dix was out there. Trey Boston is still out there, I think. There were options beyond the guy that they brought in, Jimmy Ward, that they could have done and gone and got at one of the most important positions on this D. And and, and what about Ward? I understand he's probably a better player than he gets credit for, right? But we know what Jimmy Ward is. We know what he is. We've watched it for five years. He can't finish the season. He's been an IR for the last five years. If if you want to make the argument that he's a good player, okay, he's not an impact player. Guy's got two interceptions in his career. Two, he's not a, different maker on, a difference maker on defense. Not at all. And I understand that the draft is still a possibility. They could draft a safety in the second round, and he's their guy. I, I understand all that. And if, if that's the plan, okay. But to me, there were sure things in this free agency market and they did not go after them and again going back to ward matt mayoko reported and and matt's as tied into the niners as anybody that it it looks like ward if he's healthy is virtually assured to start at the position okay so you mean to tell me if you're the niners you 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 brought back a guy who was who who got beat out by a seventh round pick and then you were paying him nine million dollars last year and the seventh round pick started over started over him that's, that's the guy that you're bringing back, the guy that, that you moved out of that position, that's your answer. I just thought, if sometimes in sports there's just time to move on. Like you've, you've seen this guy, he's been on our team. You know what? It's time to move on. It was time to move on with Jimmy Ward, and that they brought him back. It baffles me, baffles me.
0: Man. I kind of wish I went first because then I could have said all the things that you said, because I feel the exact same way. I'll... Say it anyway. Didn't, Say it anyway. This is your plan at free safety, Jimmy Ward, who can't stay healthy, two career interceptions, Jimmy Ward, who, again, was beat out by Adrian Colbert, who also regressed severely last year. And and I think that he's better than people who give him credit for as well. And I think he could be a player, but they think that Jimmy Ward is going to come in and start your safety position, which was a mess last year. You bring back the exact same people. They resigned on Exum as well, who was probably better than Ward, but you bring back the exact same group. That was a mess last year. That was constantly blowing coverages. That was not passing people off. That was giving huge chunks of yardage. You bring back all of those people and you didn't improve that safety position one bit in free agency. You mentioned the guys. Weddle, there is the honey badgers out there. Adrian Amos, yeah. Aha Clinton yeah. Dix. Um, Eric Berry's out there still. Earl Thomas, obviously, like the, when they didn't go after Earl Thomas, I tweeted this out. I'm like, they're going to bring back Jimmy Ward, aren't they? The effusive praise that they praise that they heaped on Jimmy Ward. And you know what? I'm sure he's a good locker room guy. I'm sure he's a hard worker. I'm sure that he's a great teammate. But at some point, you have to bring something on the field. You can't just be a great teammate and be like, you know, what, we're gonna, here's $9 million for being a great teammate. Yo, you have to show it on the field. You can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to collect my paycheck and not play. And I'm not saying he, he, he sat out or anything. He got hurt. But at the same time, it's like you pay people to play. You don't pay them to sit the bench or get hurt. And they had a chance to really improve this position this year. And Earl Thomas was, I'm, I was with you. I was like, Earl Thomas should be the number one signing that you make. And I don't care that he came off a broken leg. It doesn't matter. Would you, would you want that type of talent on your team or not? Yes. Who cares if he's injured? You paid a ton of money to Quan Alexander, who's still injured, who's still not back yet, who's still rehabbing. You paid a ton of money to him. And you don't want to pay Earl Thomas, which is the most important position in the, in the single high safety cover three, the, the Seattle scheme that they run. This is the position that makes this defense go. When the Seattle defense started declining, it was when Earl's, Earl Thomas went out and they were able to, they were they were subsequently able to find stop uh, stopgaps that helped. But when they started declining, it was when Earl Thomas started getting injured. This is the most important position on the field for your team. Aside from quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo, the safety position and edge rusher it's the safety position is number three, the third most important position on your team. And they brought back a guy that cannot play 16 games. And the fact that people are out there actually defending this, I can't believe that. Like, what, what do you see in Jimmy Ward? It's been five years. He hasn't shown a damn thing on the field. What do you see in Jimmy Ward that makes you think that, oh, you know what? He's going to figure it out in year five or six or whatever the hell it is now. These with the Niners. What makes you think that he the light bulb will actually go on? Maybe he is what he is. Maybe he's just a backup, back of the roster type player. And the fact that they that they were going to give, and this this boggles my mind, Al. They were, they made a, a quote-unquote competitive offer for Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell signed for upwards of 13 and a half million. They made that offer to a running back that they did not need, but you did not make the same offer to a safety that you absolutely needed more than anything. Now it happens: here's what's gonna happen, Al. Now you're desperate for safety. You're desperate for safety help. What's going to happen is that you're going to have to overdraft a safety. And I probably at the top of round two, because there'll probably be some guys that slide. You'll miss out. You may miss out on a receiver that slides. And then on like you're basically painting yourself into a corner at this point. You're losing your draft flexibility by, by not addressing the safety position of free agency. Look, I don't care if it would have been a guy that was maybe going to compete for a spot that's already been a productive safety. Like like a Kenny Vaccaro, I wouldn't have cared if it was a guy like that, because then he's having he's having to earn his roster spot. And if it, if you end up going, then you can feel comfortable with that because he has the talent and he's he's proven it somewhat. Again, a guy who can't stay healthy as much, but proven it somewhat at the at the NFL level. You're literally back at square one at safety. You don't know what Colbert has. He's, he's flashed, but he got hurt. You don't know what Jimmy Ward has because he can never stay on the field. So you did zero to address the the second most pressing need. On your team this year, and it's going to kill them. And all of these value signings that they're making are great. That's fine. That's perfect. But the problem is, is you have money. You don't have to make value signings everywhere. Al, you know, the teams that make value signings, you know what teams those are? The New England's, the Green Bay's, those sorts of teams that have to money the, the Saints teams like that, that have money tied up in their quarterbacks. So they, they don't have that roster cap or cap fle- flexibility. They have to make those value signings because they don't have cap room. The Niners ended, the, well, free agency is still going on, but they ended this first wave of free agency, number four in cap space. What are you saving your money for? What Do you, do you think, this is the year that John Lynch has to, has to prove it. Like, this is the year that you have the draft capital and the cap room. After this year, no more excuses. That's it. Last year, Jimmy Garoppolo being injured brought, bought you that one year of, of kind of coasting through and be like, you know what? We weren't too active in free agency. It's not a big deal, but you have to have more than Jimmy Ward at safety. You have to have more than Adrian Colbert to safety. You have to have somebody proven back there. You can't, championship teams aren't built in the bargain section Al, Championship teams are built by bringing in premier talent and they failed to do that at the safety position. And I I just want to ask the why, why did you, why didn't you bring anybody in?
1: And it's, it's to me, it's, it's the, the way they're allocating funds to, <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's, again, you, you're p- going to pay the off-the-ball linebacker fourteen point five mil guaranteed this year. And and I love Juszczyk. I think he's a great complement to the team. I, I want him on the team, but he's making $6 million. You know, they kind of pay these positions. It's kind of an odd approach to pay those kinds of positions. And you say, well, check's contract is a drop in the bucket, and it is. It's not big in the grand scheme of things. But if you're not going to pay a safety, well, is it? Is it big in the grand scheme of things? Paying, bringing Eric Armstead back for nine million when he's probably not going to be on the team next year. If if that stops you from signing an Amos or or, or a Thomas, if that stops you from that, is isn't that an issue? Isn't that a bad move? Because free safety is an extremely important position. Having guys who are who can cover is very important. And to me, again, if you're running running the Seattle scheme, where you need the pass rush, you need that single high safety. I would have thought single high safety would have been one of the first things they went out and did. And they mm. really haven't done it. They might this year on the draft. We'll see. But like you said, they need a receiver too. So they're not going to take receiver or safety in the first round. That's going to be Bosa, Allen Williams, whatever in they but they still need those two positions. So you hope that they can stretch it in the second or third round. I mean, I'd be shocked if the draft went any way other than one of those three guys in the first three or four guys in the first and then receiver safety and, and, some order in the second or third round. I don't feel know if there's any way they can go. They have to do that. So again, overall, this team I thought did pretty well in free agency, and we'll get into the offense where where I like both moves. But you know, for defense, free safety. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the thinking is, and I hope it doesn't come back to bite them this year because it is a huge hole. Before we move over to the offense, I do. They signed David Mayo to replace Brock Coyle. Uh, good, really good signing. Core special teams guy. You need guys like that. But we're not going to talk about you, Dave. Sorry. Welcome to the team. We're glad you're here. (laughs) Do great on special teams, and and that's about it. Um, Moving over to the offense, Tevin Coleman. Okay, and you mentioned Le'Veon Bell, Zane. And Mm -hmm. when I heard the Niners were interested in Bell, first I was like, no, (laughs) that's not real. But they were apparently. And then as soon as I kind of figured out that was the case, I said, all right, start to pay attention to the Tevin Tevin Coleman market. And at first I was like, okay, they spent so much money on Jarek McKinnon. And Breida had such a strong year, I'd be shocked if they won after a running back. But the more I thought about it, the uncertainty surrounding McKinnon, and I mentioned before, I'm not sold on him coming back on the ACL. And how can you until you see him on the field? His game is built on speed. You know, he's not necessarily, you know, a shifty kind of find the whole runner and, you know, where he's his game is built on speed. So he comes back and he doesn't have that that ACL. I'm sorry, his ACL is still bothering him, and he's not 100%. He doesn't have the speed that he had. It's a problem. So bringing Coleman in, I th- who was very good with Shanahan in 2015, 2016, I thought was a good move. And if you look at how Shanahan used Temin Coleman and Coleman, and let's look at 2016 for an example, he carried the ball between 8 and 12 times in 10 of 13 games. In the other three games, he had six carries, five carries, and then 14 carries, which was actually in a blowout against the 49ers. So overall, Coleman averaged about nine carries a game and and Devonta Freeman about 14. And I could see Coleman getting about 10, 12 touches here with the Niners. And he can catch the ball uh, 31, 27, 32 receptions the last three years mostly a part-time role. And and what's big, this is big to me, he scores TDs, Zane. 29 Mm -hmm. total touchdowns in his career and 11 in that 2016 season. But I am curious what the plan is here. I'm going to give you a lot to react to, but – I heard on Friday, and I, well, I didn't break any. I didn't break any news here. This was out, in a lot of there was rumors out from a lot of different places that the Niners were in trade talks. There were some fielding calls going on, and I heard that as well on Friday. And look, Coleman's not going anywhere. Mostert seems locked locked in as that special teams guy, so it means that the calls I would assume run McKin- McKinnon and Brita And a number of ru- rumors started to fly around that I guess the Eagles were interested in McKinnon and. You know, we could say all we want to about keeping all four. Personally, I'm going to be surprised if they do that. Um, I think as we get more into the summer, you could see them possibly make a move. And look, of course, they're talking to people about these running backs. What team wouldn't pick up the phone if they need a running back and call the Niners and at least say, hey, are you willing to trade one of these guys? Mm -hmm. Last I heard was Shanahan seems content with the four of them. So maybe, maybe they will go into the season with four and injuries happen as well. You never know. But I I still think, I I think this is something to really keep an eye on in in terms of what they're going to do. but to me, McKinnon's the name that sticks out to me is he might be the odd man out. If you look at his last two years running the ball, and I know it's not about it's all about running. I know it's about passing and Cal offense, but McKinnon only averaged 3.8 and 3.4 yards per carry his last two seasons. He did have 94 total receptions, which is a lot, but he only had 676 yards, which is about seven yards per catch. So we just... We don't know what McKinnon's going to be. Everything with McKinnon is kind of like a perceived, okay, well, he could be this in the offense. We don't know. And he's coming off a big injury. What I do want to do, and again, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I've been throwing out a lot of stats on Matt Breida. I just think Matt Breida, he had such a great year. He had such a, a breakout season. And I just think he's so perfect running the ball in this offense. And I want to throw out some stats to you guys that I put out on Twitter as well. Brita last year was one of only six running backs with 10 or more runs of 20-plus yards, okay? Brita's 10 came out 153 carries. We had 10 runs of over 20 yards, 153 carries. The other five guys who had 10 or more runs of over 20 yards, Nick Chubb had 11. He did it on 192 carries. Joe Mixon, 11, did it on 237. Elliott had 11 on 304. Gurley had 11 on 256. And Barkley had 16 on 261. So Breida did this on on far less carries than the other guys. And if you look at, well, let's look at 100-yard rushing games. Tevin Coleman has three 100-yard rushing games in his career. McKinnon has two. Breida had three in 2018 alone. And Breida's 814 yards on a 153 carries were more than their career highs for Coleman, whose whose career high was 800 and 167, and McKinnon's, who's 570 and 150. And... Breida had was tied for the third-highest yards per carry of any 49ers running back with at least 150 carries. Joe Perry had 6.1 in 1954. Gore had 5.4 on 312 carries in 2006. Uh, Joe Perry also had 5.3 in 1953 on 192 carries, and then Breida in 2018, the 5.3 on 153. So in terms of the running game, are McKinnon and Coleman going to average over 5.3 yards per carry? That was fourth best in the league. I, I doubt that they are. So to say that they can come in and run the ball better than Breida did, I, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. And I don't want to hear I'm sure people are thinking now, well, well, Breida can't stay on the field. I don't want to hear that. This guy p- played in 30 of 32 games. He played all of 2017. He played all 16 games. And he hurt his ankle badly, badly early in the season. And he played through it. If you plan an injury like that, of course you're gonna re-injure it. Of course you're not gonna get better. And he still played 14 out of 16 games and still ran the hell out of the ball. And he still caught 27 passes without dropping a pass. So to me, like if if the Niners actually get rid of Breed, I think it's crazy. I think it's nuts. And there's only so even if they don't dress him, I think it's nuts. There's only so many touches that can go around for these, for these,
0: well, three main backs. And I'm really interested to see how it plays out. I really am. When, the, when they first signed Tevin Coleman, first of all, I love the signing because I have been saying for the last couple of years now that the Niners are trying to replicate what Kyle Shanahan had back in Atlanta with Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, the measurables that these guys had, that uh, that Brita and McKinnon had were very similar to Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. And now they have the actual Tevin Coleman in San Francisco, which is great. Uh, he's he's a guy that can do everything. He can run, he can catch he can block. He is that running back that Kyle Shanahan covets. And when he came on the market, immediately I'm like, man, they're going to make a play for him because that's, that's who Kyle Shanahan feels comfortable with. And Tevin Coleman can run the system. He knows the plays. He knows where he needs to be. And when you have a guy who knows the system, it helps the rest of the offense because that's one less guy you have to worry about. So with, with that aspect of the signing, signing I loved it. The contract is extremely cheap. It's two years, $10 million, which is like a steal. I think that Tevin Coleman is going to to be one of the steals of this offseason. And he'll be a perfect complement to Breida, who should be starting and will be starting. There's no way that you can take Matt Breida out of that role. With the year that he had last year, he would have run for 1,000 yards. If he wasn't inactive for the last game, nursing that ankle in a season that was basically lost, he would have have run for 1,000 yards. He proved that he could be that bell cow. He was electric. He he didn't drop a a single pass last year. After leading league in drops in 2017, Matt Breida did not drop a pass in 2018. So he has proven that he can address those issues that he needed to work on. And you just it just sets a bad precedent. Like you can't just hand. Jarek McKinnon, that starting job back, just because he's Jarek McKinnon, they signed him to a big contract. You can't just do that. It sets a bad precedent. You don't lose your job because of injury. And on top of that, Jarek McKinnon has never started a full 16-game season. Like I when Jarek McKinnon was signed, I was one of the people that really loved the signing because I thought that he could be a really electric piece in Kyle Shannon's offense. But I'm not, I'm not going to go so far as saying that what some people are saying that Jarek McKinnon, oh, he's going to be irreplaceable and there's no way that they cut him and he's going to be, he's going to be a, a superstar in his offense. I won't go so far as saying that because he's never proven that he can stay healthy for a 16 game season or carry the load. So that being said, I, when this first happened, I thought that they were going to either trade McKinnon or let him go, or it'd be a camp battle. And the guy that loses out gets cut. We have to remember that Matt Breida is also on an undrafted rookie free agent contract still. And that whole aspect of it makes him really attractive to keep because his cap hit Mm -hmm. for a really good running back is minimal. And I don't understand why the 49ers would release him or trade him or get rid of him when you have such a small cap hit. On the flip side, McKinnon, he has no more guaranteed money left on his contract, but you saw—you remember the big deal that he was signed to last year. Mm -hmm. That contract becomes really hard to trade. I don't know how many teams are going to be wanting to take on a contract of a guy who's just been a role player for his career um, who's just coming off an ACL. Um, the, I don't think they're going to cut Tevin Coleman. I, I think they made that signing, again, one of those value signings with the idea that he's going to be a contributor and they can keep their overall salary cap number low. Like This is something that we should expect of the 49ers, that, that their salary cap numbers will be low. They're going to try to get the most on a budget. They'll sign players on their own terms. They'll, Like you said earlier, they overpay for weird positions, but they don't pay it all for others. So I think running back is, is, is one of them, right? Where they'll pay certain people, they'll pay like one, but they won't pay all the running backs. So I think that really it comes down to who performs better in camp. And I know that they want to keep all four active on game days. Like let's, let's break this down for a second. Most teams keep, keep um, four active running backs uh, on, on, uh, on game day. Mm -hmm. so They have a fullback. So, it's gonna be um Breida, Tevin Coleman, maybe McKinnon, check and Mostert, right? Those are the five running backs. Mm-hmm. Mostert's gonna be active on game days because he's he plays special teams. check is active on game days because he's the fullback. Breida's active on game days because he's your starting running back. So it's basically between Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon on who's gonna be active. Because if you keep one one extra running back active, that means you'll have one less DB or you have one less defensive lineman or less one less swing. Um, tackle or swing offensive linemen that can play multiple positions. So you have to remember that every player that you keep active on game day at a position that's already set takes, takes a position away from another position group. So takes a spot away from another position group. So I really think that they're not going to have all, all of these guys active on game day. It's just not possible. You're not going to have five running backs active on game day. Nobody does that. Nobody's going to do yeah. that. Like you're going to have, you, you, like I said, you're going to have Mostert, use check, Breda and one of McKinnon or, or Tevin Coleman. And I don't think it's, it's going to be Tevin Coleman sitting on the bench. I really don't. I think McKinnon is the odd man out here and partially because of his contract, partially because we don't really know what we have in him. Tevin Coleman's proven they can run it, do it in a Kyle, Shan, Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, Breda's proven that he can do it in the Kyle Shanahan offense. You proved it in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Most are proved it in the Kyle Shanahan offense. The only guy that hasn't proved it in the Kyle Shanahan offense is McKinnon. So because of that, I think he may be the odd man out. It may be an unpopular opinion, but there's no way. There's no way that you keep five running backs active on game day.
1: I can't wait to see the way way this shakes out. I have no idea where they're going to go. I don't know if a trade's going to happen. I don't know if if he will dress people based on matchups. I have no idea, but it's going to be really interesting. Really, really interesting to see. All right, Jordan Matthews was the receiver they brought in. And I really, lo- I really, really like the signing. And and I don't think Matthews is going to come in and gain 1500 yards this year. I don't think that, but as somebody to come in and compete and give the Niners some good reps, some good snaps, I, I really liked it. And look, they're probably drafting wide receiver with the 36th pick. I, I would think, and that guy will probably be brought in, say if they draft an AJ Brown or somebody like that, he's going to be drafted to start groom him to start. But I think Matthews will compete with Kendrick Bourne to serve as a placeholder until that rookie's ready. If you look at Matthews, he didn't get much action the past two seasons, um, but he was very productive in 2014 through 2016. He actually averaged 75 catches for 891 yards with Philly. He also had 19 total touchdowns during that time in eight 100-yard games. The 49ers have had, have had six 100-yard games and 23 TDs from wide receivers the last two years, so... If they get that Jordan Matthews, they're in good shape. And he's only 27 years old. It's not like this is a 34-year-old guy whose best days are way behind him. He's only 27. Now, where there's a bit of a red flag, I guess, his last two years, he didn't see a ton of action. He played 10 games with the Bills. In 2017, he had 25 catches for 282 yards and a touchdown. But, I mean, Buffalo's where receivers go to die, right? I mean, what are you going to (laughs) do? But in 2014 in Philly, 20 catches – I'm sorry, 2018 in Philly – 20 catches in 14 games, 300 yards, and two touchdowns. So uh, which guy will they get? Honestly, probably, I think maybe somewhere in the middle. If he plays a lot, I could see him putting up similar production to what Bourne did last year. Maybe about 40 catches, 500 yards. But that's a good, solid veteran signing who could maybe give them some touchdowns. Again, Matthews is a bigger receiver than, than what they have. And I mentioned the same thing with Coleman. Now you bring in guys like Coleman and Matthews who have a history of scoring touchdowns. And the guys that are currently on the 49ers roster, really there is no one with a history of who scored touchdowns. They just don't have anybody who are big touchdown guys. So you bring in two guys on this offense who who aren't superstars, but they're good role players. And I think think they're going to be able to help this team in the red zone, be able to help the team move the ball and and give them maybe an aspect they haven't had
0: before. So two really solid signings. I, I like Matthews. I wanted Matthews out of college. And for more reasons than the fact that he's Jerry Rice's cousin, and the sentimental reasons. But I really like Jordan Matthews coming out of Vanderbilt. He was, he was one of those guys that ran, he ran like a four five forty, and, and he was, uh he, he's six, six foot three and 200 plus pounds. And he's a, a physical receiver. And the majority of his touchdowns that come in the red zone, which is, which is a good thing for the 49ers. And it's one, again, one of those low risk, high reward signings. And, he hasn't necessarily been injured in this career. It's just a matter of somebody tapping his potential. And again, like you said, Buffalo is where receivers go to die. And you saw what Marquise Goodwin did when he came out of Buffalo. And you saw how Jordan Matthews' uh, stats dropped off when he went into Buffalo. By the way, as an aside, Al, I think it's kind of funny how like the penalty for all of these disgruntled receivers or receivers that teams are trying to trade. It's like, Hey, you're going to Buffalo. Like Antonio Brown is going to <laughs> Buffalo for a second. And he's like, nah, I don't want to go there. And like, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. And Dave Gettleman, the GM of the giants came out this week and said that the only call that he made that he placed for an OBJ trade was to go to Buffalo. So it's just funny. How, <laughs> like, that's like the penalty. Oh, like you're disgruntled. That's it. You're going to Buffalo. no, no, no. I don't want to go. <laughs> so, uh yeah, Buffalo, it, Buffalo's
1: a good town, man. Buffalo's my—I really like Buffalo's my town. It gets a bad rap.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's just like football Siberia, basically. That's what it is, right? And it's got that stigma behind. it. It's cold, and there's not a lot to do there. But th- I think that's what it is—that is people view it as like football Siberia. And uh, when when receivers go, they're usually they're not playing with a good quarterback, and there's not a lot of weapons around them. And it's just—I don't know what it is about that franchise. And Jordan Matthews fell victim to that, so. I think that you're not going to see him get like a thousand yards. I think that Kyle Shannon's offense doesn't really have a number one receiver, but he's going to be one of those guys that fits a specific role. Um, there's only one ball to go around, and and everybody's numbers will will decline this year because I think that the offense will be more balanced because of guys like Jordan Matthews. Um, I really think that they will draft a receiver at the top of round two. Uh, guys like N'Keel Harry, um, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, guys like that probably will slide out of round one. And will be available in round two. Uh, so I think that that pick should be, re- should be a receiver and a guy that should be groomed to start. But the, for the time being, I like this prove it deal. I like Jordan Matthews a lot. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a star, but I think that's one of those like solid veteran signings. I think that he'll be what they wanted Garcon to be and kind of like just like a placeholder for the next generation of 49ers receivers to be able to come in and start. Yeah, it was de-
1: definitely definitely a solid move there. I, I like that one. So overall, look, I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, I'd give it a solid B for free agency. Um every, you know, and I said to me, the Alexander move is a polarizing move. We'll see. The free safety, the Jimmy Ward thing. But other than that, it's pretty good stuff. People that are gonna help. D Ford's gonna help a ton. And Verrett, if he's healthy, is gonna help a ton. And and we like Matthews and Coleman contributing on the offense. So overall it, Definitely a solid B for me, and, and the draft is still coming. There's more help to come. And Zane, I know, I know you're kind of fired up um, about this Quentin Williams thing. I know yeah. you're fired up when I see you tweet something, and then you like message or text me right after you tweet it. Like I know you're just like pissed and just just, just letting things go. Yeah. So when I when that happened today, I read it and I laughed, and I got a text like five minutes later, same thing. So I know you're fired up. So I'm just due to have the floor, man.
0: Oh man, this Quentin Williams thing. So first of all, uh, to finish up on the free agency thought, uh, I'd say it's a solid B minus. I think that they um, they should have addressed, addressed the safety position, but I'm not going to kill them for handing out prove it deals to Matthews and Verrett uh, because those are good players when they're healthy and when they're clicking and they need more of those players. But you always have to be really, really wary of prove it contracts because not every single player is going to prove it. You eventually have to pay for production and pay for health and all of these things. And I think the Niners are gambling big and I wish they wouldn't gamble like that. I wish they would have got more, more guys who have proven that they can stay healthy and stay on the field, but it is what it is. Right. Um, I think that they are in a better position than they were last year. And the roster is better than it was last year. So going into the draft, I think that they're in a much better position now, because of that, because you have D Ford, a lot of people are saying that Quinn and Williams will be the pick at number two. Now, look, I I think Quentin Williams is a fantastic player. I think that he's one of the top players in college. I think that he is the top deep interior defensive lineman in the draft. I think that he will make some team very, very happy and some fan base very, very happy. I hope that fan base and team is not the 49ers. And the reason why is because, and not, not all of this is John Lynch's fault because he was not here for part of this, but. The 49ers, if they draft Quentin Williams this year at number two overall, they will have drafted an interior defensive lineman in four out of the last five years, starting with Eric Armstead in 2015. Then you have DeForest Buckner in 2016. Then you have Solomon Thomas in 2017. Then you have Quentin Williams, presumably in 2019. Like you can't. You can't build a championship team constantly drafting the same position in the first round and and trying to build that position group up. Like I understand that people are like, oh, pressure up the middle, and he's going to create a lot of havoc and and all all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. That's great. He's a great player, but you don't need that position. You don't need to constantly address defensive tackle and interior defensive linemen. There are 21 other positions on the field, and most of them you need help at. You can't just go and be like, oh, well he's the best player in the draft. So we're going to d- draft him. Sometimes you don't draft the best player in the draft. And when, when the, the Buccaneers drafted James Winston and when the Rams drafted Jared Goff, they were not the best player in the draft in those two years, 2015, 2016, Those were not the best players in those respective drafts. You don't have to go with the BPA algorithm or whatever, whatever thought process you have. You don't have to do that every time. To me, if you go and you draft Quinn Williams, you absolutely messed up. And if you pass on one of these pass rushers who could be a generational pass rusher, like, Al, we have not seen a pass rushing group this good since 2011, which is the year that mm-hmm. Von Miller, Alden Smith, and J.J. Watt all came out. We have not seen a group that, that good since that group. And this group in 2019 has a potential to be better than that group. And you're going to pass on, a, on an edge rusher for an, another defensive tackle To me, that's such a hard sell to the 49ers fan base. That's such a hard sell to people who think that you should be improving other areas of the team. Like to me, people are taking dumps all over Nick Bosa and saying, oh God, like he's injury prone and this and that, like, he's not going to be great. He's, he's overrated, whatever. Why? Like two months ago, y'all were asking for Nick Bosa, hoping that the 49ers would lose out so they could draft Nick Bosa. Now all of a sudden you're saying Quentin Williams should be the pick. Why? What? Like people like they come up with the most asinine arguments. So like, oh, he's going to be the next Aaron Donald. Wait, what? He's not even the same height. He's not even the same build as Aaron Donald. Quinton Williams is six foot five. Aaron Donald is six feet tall. The reason why Aaron Donald is so good is because he has great leverage at the point of attack because he's six feet tall. You can't have a defensive tackle that's super tall because they're going to get beaten leverage game every single time. Remember Quinton Dial? That's why Quinton Dial never worked out because he was six foot six in the middle. So I mean, mm. really. It's just, it just boggles my mind. Like, if they, if they pass on Nick Bosa or Montez Sweat or any of these pass rushers in the first round to draft Quinn and Williams, who, yes, is a safe pick. Yes, he could be a great player. Yes, he would be great next to Buckner. If they draft a guy for another defensive tackle where you have, like, let's, let's look at the guys that they already have on the roster of defensive tackle. You got Buckner, Solomon Thomas, who you just drafted two years ago in the top three. You have DJ Jones, who's, who's showing a lot of promise. You have Eric Armstead, who can slide inside. You have uh, Julian Taylor, who can play defensive tackle. And you have mm-hmm. Kentavious, uh, Sheldon Day, who, who really, really flashed a lot of potential the last couple of years. And Contavius Street, who you just drafted last year on an ACL. You have all those guys who can slide inside and play D-tackle. But you're going to draft another D-tackle in the top 10, in the top three. I just, I just it boggles my mind. Look at the roster. Who do you have at edge rusher besides D Ford? Who's there? Yeah, Ronald Blair. That's it, really. Ronald Blair, that's it. Ronald Blair and Dakota Watson who's a special teamer and and Peter Tomapenu, who's been on the practice squad for 2 years. You have no depth at ed- edge rusher. Like what if D Ford doesn't work out? What if he gets hurt? What's your plan right. for edge rusher? Like I just like it frustrates me so much because people are missing the point here. They look at, "Oh, well, best player available." I want to ask them, "Al, would they feel the same way if the best player available was a running back?" or the best player available with quarterback? Would you draft him Because just because he was the best player available even though you're set at that position? Absolutely not. So why are you doing that at the defensive tackle position? You're set there. You don't give up on Solomon Thomas after two years. He was playing fine next next to Buckner. He should have been inside the entire time, and now people are coming up with all these crazy, oh, they're going to trade Solomon Thomas. Man, nobody's going to want Solomon Thomas. They, they've seen the production that he's out of lack of production. Nobody's going to want a guy like that. You trade for players that actually produce. If they trade him, it's going to be for a 6th or 7th round pick. And you know how embarrassing that's going to be for John Lynch? To admit that he he can't even do that. Yeah, There's no way. That was his first pick as GM. There's no way that he's going to give up on that and, and basically admit to that embarrassment. There's no way. If they draft Courtney Williams, it's a huge mistake.
1: You know what I think it
0: is. I kind of think it's
1: much to do about nothing. I I feel like it's just that time in the NFL year when there's you've kind of already seen a million mock drafts and there's kind of you've had the combine and there's not much else to talk about. So now reports are coming out like the Niners may not want Bosa, like they like Quinn Williams. To me, it's it's just things for people to write about. I don't think there's any way if Bosa's there that they pass on him. None whatsoever. Ford's on a year-to-year deal even if he wasn't like I said earlier you can never have enough pass rushers and, and like you just mentioned they have Ford and then who do they have I, I like Ronald Blair but I don't know that I don't think he's any more than a rotational guy and then they have no one else I wouldn't actually be surprised if maybe they took a flyer on somebody else um, still in free agency just somebody to bring in just in case there's some depth that can help rush a little bit because they don't yeah, have really? a lot there I think there, to
0: catch off. There, there are a lot of players in free agency that are left at at, at edge rusher. Um, I was looking earlier today, guys like Ziggy Ansah, Justin Houston, um, Bruce Irvin still out there. Uh, Adrian Claiborne, Clay Matthews, Shane Ray, Nick Perry, all these guys they're still out there, and nobody signed them yet. Uh, so I think that you can still take a flyer on one of these guys, but like I just, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how they pass on on a guy in the top ten.
1: I I don't think it'll happen. I mean, if Bosa goes at one, you could say all bets are off. If they did something like 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 sign one of those good, maybe they sign Ansa or something like that. And then if they really love Quinn Williams and Trade Armstead, I don't know. I guess I could see something like that at two if Bose is gone. But I, I think Bose is the pick if he's there. And if not, maybe you see them trade down. Maybe they can get a couple picks and, and still get an edge rusher a little bit later in the first round. Maybe they like Josh Allen. I don't know. But if Bose is not there, it could get interesting. If he is there, I don't see any way around it. They probably already have his name written down, you know. And if they, he gets drafted, they'll cross it out and write another name in. But to me, he's he he's the pick all day. And this draft is very important. They're going to get uh, what you hope is a franchise edge rusher, defensive piece in that second pick, and then they need to get a receiver and a safety. Those for these first three picks are really really important. The last draft looks like it was pretty good. The 2017 draft is not looking good right now. And you look at a lot of the moves they made in free agency. They drafted Solomon Thomas to be an edge rusher. He's not that. They had to go and pay an edge rusher. They drafted Reuben Foster to be their linebacker for them. He's not in the team anymore. They had to go out and they had to pay a will linebacker. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Witherspoon is yet. You know, Joe Williams didn't work out. They go out and pay McKinnon. So you're seeing a lot of these. Players that they took early in 2017 didn't work, and then they had to go out and pay people to replace them. So this draft is big. They're one for two on drafts right now, and year three is huge. I think they did a pretty good job in free agency, but this draft is gigantic for John Lynch. I don't think they're in trouble, Lynch or Shanahan, by any stretch of the imagination. If this is another bad year and some of these guys don't work out, you could start hearing Lynch's name is a little bit in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, we're still a long way away from that. I don't think Shanahan, I don't think Shanahan's in any trouble whatsoever. Um, I, I think he'll get, regardless of what happens this year, I think he's back next year. But you could start seeing personnel things change. But we're a long way from that. And I still think with a good draft, this team's going to be good. And here's the other thing I want to say, and we'll wrap it up in just a second. But the Niners had so many holes last year. They didn't have a pass rush. They're running back got hurt. They didn't really have a strong receiving core. And they still, if their quarterback doesn't get hurt, are probably at worst seven or eight wins. Mm-hmm. So that's still pretty decent considering where they are in the rebuild. So when you look at that, you know, we we nitpick and it's our job to do that, to give our opinions of what we like and don't like. But if the quarterback stays healthy, you're probably looking to get a team that can, I'm not saying they're gonna make the playoffs, but can compete for the playoffs in, in that eight to ten win range. If everyone stays healthy and Garoppolo stays behind center, this team can compete for that. So even even with the nitpicking things, there are major holes, but this is still a team. This isn't a doormat team. This is not a four and twelve team. This is a better team than that. At least I think so. So we'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah, and I think that the this draft is huge. Again, back like if they draft Quentin Williams, I hate to 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 beat a dead horse here, but if they draft him, you're basically the Detroit Lions of drafting defensive tackles. You really are. Like when Matt Millen was there, he drafted receiver after receiver after receiver in the first round. And what did they get them? Nothing, because they never addressed other positions. So I do not want the 49ers to run down that run down that same road. But if you look at the parallels, well, Matt Mellon was a former player. He went in the broadcast booth and made him GM. John Lynch, former player, broadcast booth, broadcast booth, GM. Who was the right-hand man for both of those guys? Martin Mayhew. So mm-hmm. I really hope that history does not repeat itself. And I really hope that. The 49ers can learn from their past mistakes and, and continue moving forward with building the team because I really feel like the team is better than it was last year already. I feel like the team is better than it was last year with, with the roster and another year of, of hopefully Jimmy being healthy and in the system. I think that's, that's really going to take them far. And really, Al, if they don't make it to at least seven to nine or eight and eight, I think that at this point, John Lynch is in trouble because then, then they don't have they don't have that buffer anymore next year's year four of this i guess rebuild and you haven't hit 500 yet i think that the heat will be on at that point it's not kyle shanahan's fault like i know that he has stay on the roster but at the the end of the day he's using what he's been given so uh we'll we'll have to see what happens and i'll preview the draft and and for all the all you listening like we'll have a we'll have an actual draft mock draft show for you where we can preview that and um and I'm sure that I'll run my ideas by Al via text or call or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> and share my outrage or pleasure of, or whatever the the, the Niners do uh, on draft day. But um, but Al, it's it's uh, we've had what 75 shows now that we've done together. Yeah, something group. like that. Yeah, crazy, crazy man, uh, uh, crazy stuff. It's crazy to see that it's it's coming to a close for us. It's it's been a great run, and again, just.
1: Just thank you, thank you, thank you to the fans for for listening. I'm so humbled by the responses that we've got from you guys. Really, it it means it means so much. Like I really, really appreciate it. And still looking forward to talking to you guys on Twitter at lsaco 49 and Zane is at Zane49ers. And again, I'm I'm going to be writing a lot more now for 49ers web Zone and Niners Wire. I have something coming out for Niners Wire. Um, I think tonight actually an article about Burita. So look for that. Check that out um this has been a blast again thank you to zane thank you to to david bonia thanks to all the fans thanks to all our guests oh zane you know what i do want to ask you before we go um <laughs> i'll let you go because i know you got to go sorry was there one interview that stuck out to you was there one favorite interview you had in in the 70s shows um, could you put, could you pinpoint one because i thought about this and
0: i came up with one so i really liked so taylor price was really good um because we had the dueling bulkies and i haven't heard you laugh that hard uh, ever. <laughs> I think, that, huh. uh, I think, I think the Taylor price interview was really good. I really liked Mike silver. Um, and gosh, like, I mean like all, all of our, like every, every interview we've done is so unique, but I think, I think the Mike silver interview, um, was probably my favorite. All right. I'm going to say,
1: I thought about it a lot because like you said, everybody that we talked to, I couldn't wait to talk to them. It was awesome. 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 But I sat and I said, okay, who's maybe, the one interview that i was like well this kind of blew me away you know what it was it was dexter carter do you remember the stories he told
0: us yeah yeah yeah. was going in he was going yeah, in. he
1: really, I mean, he told us about why Charles Haley got traded because he, what he did to Jerry Rice yeah. and uh, stories about uh, in our, his altercation with Bill Romanowski. He was telling us stories. I remember we were texting back and forth saying like, dude, this is awesome. This is awesome. Remember, <laughs> yeah. we're like, we had like 10 texts back and forth. It's like, so awesome. And, and yeah. we actually, you know, we, we were friends with Dexter on Facebook. He's an awesome guy. We love Dexter Carter. But that interview to me, like, and if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that show dexter gave it was like he was writing a book some of the stuff that he sent mm-hmm. out there and i think that to me if if i had to pick one i think the dexter carter one would have been the, was the one that i was kind of like well this this is cool you know this is like mm-hmm. this is why we do this like this is fun
0: that's that's true the dexter carter one was was that one went because that was the era of football that i grew up watching and like to hear the stories <laughs> about those teams, yeah like firsthand from from a player who played on those teams was fantastic that was really cool yeah i would have to say yeah, was cool so that was probably the, actually yeah that that and the mike silver interview for me were were probably tops um and the time that cool i one. kept calling marquise goodwin uh stefan gilmore and you kept <laughs> correcting me that was also tops too
1: <laughs> and and you, you messed up joe starkey's years when, when he was an announcer didn't you isn't I missed that one Joe too.
0: Starkey's, yeah, because because I couldn't read my yeah. own writing, so I messaged <laughs> Starkey's. Even though I knew that Joe Starkey had been uh, a, a Niners broadcaster for longer because he took over in the '89 season for Lon Simmons, but um, yeah, I, I for some reason said it was '98, or some some sort of like weird thing happened with my handwriting, and I and I misread it. And I also um, gypped Adrian Colbert of like like a tenth of a second off of his. Uh, All right, <laughs> and
1: he was I like had, I. Yeah, I had to ask Gary Plummer to call back. That was embarrassing because it wasn't recording. (laughs) So we did like a few minutes and I'm like, uh, can you call back? (laughs) I thought (laughs) he was going to be like, dude, who is this guy? But he was yeah. really nice about it. Yeah. Yeah. We had some flubs. Most of them didn't make it to the air, but yeah, we, we screwed up quite a bit.
0: So so for, well, for those of you who don't know, I, I nicknamed Al like a long time ago. I nicknamed him one, one take Al. Cause most of what Al does is in one take. I usually mess up. Like I'll, I'll mess up and I'll, and I'll take a couple of takes to get my stuff done. But Al, like, he's just like, all right, is that good? All right, we're going. And cause what we have to do when we edit it, we have to stop and start sometimes. Right. So <laughs> Al never, he was always the consummate pro always. Uh, like showed grace under pressure and uh he, be- he became one take out and a lot of that
1: was because like normally when we record like it would be like 11 30 at night for me because i'm on the east coast so i'm so tired i mm-hmm. know what i'm saying half the time and i just want to get i just want to get done <laughs>
0: like it's 12 30 i'm like
1: all right we're good let's go so yep. but it's, we're recording this one a little bit earlier which makes it easier but yeah so but yeah dude we did nobody prepared less than us saying yeah. nobody prepared less <laughs> than us yep I- we just we just got on hit play and talked we didn't even just ramble, so. But yeah, all right. Well, I know Zane's got to go. So listen, everybody, this was fantastic. Um, again, great ride. I have the I had the best co-host in the world, Zane. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to see where you take this show. I'm sure it's still going to be great. So everybody, for Zane Ackley, this is Al Sacco. Thank you very much.
0: Bye, guys.